and first family. Isn't it good to be together today? I'm telling you, if you haven't worshiped yet, it's on you. The Lord has done some amazing things this morning, and we praise him for it. Let's start with some good news. Here it is. Our God is good. Our God has brought us together this morning. We're going to celebrate God's goodness, and we're going to rejoice in what he has yet ahead for us. Our God has something so rich and beautiful to do in our lives, and I am delighted that we're here today. Now, there's going to be another worship service a little later today. Maybe you'll watch it on Fox. They'll be wearing the right colors. They'll be dancing. They'll be singing. There will definitely be people there throwing money. I want to tell you, friends, be careful what you worship because it may not last. I want you to do something for me to prove my point. Who won the Super Bowl 15 years ago? You're going to have to think about it, aren't you? Well, let's see. That was, uh, and don't use Google. That would make it too easy. The reason I say that is because that kind of glory, that kind of fame is fleeting. It doesn't last very long at all. What if, though, we could worship something that does last? I want to talk to you today about true worship. That's what we see in Psalm 122. It's important we have this conversation today because, you know, we talked the last couple of weeks about uh, Revelation 21, about how that's where we're headed and how everything is different, everything is changing, and God is at work and the Spirit of God is doing a new thing there, and he's going to refresh and renew all those amazing things. He's going to make all of us new. I want to tell you today, though, what we're doing now is practice for that. Let's talk about that practice. Louis Giglu is a pastor in the Atlanta area. Here's what he said about worship. Worship is our response, not my response, not your response, but our response, both publicly and privately, to God for who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. That was inside a little cassette tape that I bought like 35 years ago that was one of the formational pieces for me in understanding worship. And when the Lord began to reveal this to me, he took me to Psalm 122. Some of your study Bibles say the song of ascents. And not, not sense as in smell or sense as in the kind of change that we have, but a sense as in going up, ascending to something. Let's talk about Jerusalem for a minute, the current one. It sits up on a high hill. It's at the base of, at the, at the top of a valley, two valleys actually, that divide to form the city of Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley runs down its eastern side. The Tyropean Valley runs down on its south side. On top of that hill is where Jerusalem is. So it doesn't really matter where you're coming from. You're going up to Jerusalem. And on that way, the trip did not begin when you got to the city of Jerusalem. No, no, friends. The trip began as soon as you walked out the door to go to Jerusalem. That's why the psalmist begins with what he says, let us go to the house of the Lord. And get that first part, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know, we thought so much of that verse, we put it on a plaque. And if you go out these back doors right here at the rear of the auditorium and you turn around, there you'll find it part of our original structure, it says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I wonder if you are too. My hope and prayer is that you are. 
Let's pray together as we begin our time. Gracious Jesus, we have gathered in your house today. Not that that's unusual. For many of us, we're here every week. And yet it is exceptional, Lord, that you've given us this time yet again. Would you now meet with us, Lord, as we worship you? We've already done so, Lord, but it's easy to be here and miss you just the same, so I pray that doesn't happen for us today. Let us instead, Lord, engage with you. Let us tune our hearts to you. Let us hear your heart, and let us, Father, respond to your invitation to be moved by you. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, my friends, when we talk about going to church, there are blockades. Can we say that? Things that might slow us down. The Kingsmen, they did a song a few years ago, okay, more than a few, a long time ago, and the title of the song was Excuses. It's a really comical song, and I won't try to replicate it here, but I did want to tell you about it so you could Google it and look it up later, not during the service. It's a comical song because it presents all these reasons people have for not coming to church. Now, understand that you're here, and we're grateful for that, but let's talk about the new version of this song. They did it on Facebook, because of course they did, right? They ran a, a, a survey about why people go to church and invited them to tell them exactly why. I'm going to give you the 10 responses that were given that were most unique. The first three, not that unique. Let's start here. I never get to sleep in. Sunday's my only day to do so. Understood. My kids take naps during that time. Understood as a parent. The ball game starts too early. I don't want to miss it. Fair enough. Maybe instead church starts too late. We'll take that up another time. These others, though, they caught my attention, not simply because they were unusual, although that too, but because they are simply reasons that people are finding to say, ah, worship, church is optional. Here's what I mean. I, an excuse written on Facebook for why not to come to church, we, this family wrote, we were out of peanut butter. Now, what that has to do with getting to church, I cannot begin to tell you. Here's another one. I can't go, especially to that church. Both of my girlfriends attend there. That might be a problem. Maybe you should go to that church instead of this one. The worship leader at that church wears fancy shoes. I find them distracting. Okay. My wife cooked bacon for breakfast and our whole family smelled like bacon. Let's be clear. Bacon smell is welcome in this church, all right? You bring it on. The pastor talks about the Bible too much. Guilty as charged. We got burned out of church and we've been taking a break for the last seven years. Quite a break. Maybe they're being biblical with that seven and coming back next week. This last one, I know it has to be our church. The pastor is too handsome. 
They laughed at it in the first service too. I don't know what that means. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. While indeed these are reasons not to go, you skipped past all of them, didn't you? And you got here anyway. If you're watching us on a later broadcast, congratulations to you as well. There are far better reasons, however, to go. Chief among them to worship the living and loving God. The one who created you, who called you with a rich and beautiful calling. It's to him and his home. What do I do, what I do here on earth is preparation for that new Jerusalem that waits for me yet ahead. I was always told when I was playing basketball growing up, how you practice is how you'll play. In other words, if I can't or won't do it in practice, I probably won't be able or qualified to do it in a game. With those kind of thoughts in mind, let's unpack this psalm about why we can be glad to come into the house of the Lord and what true worship really does look like. Let's start here, shall we? True worship is driven by a desire for connection with God, not the ease of my circumstances. Go to verse 2 with me. Our feet have been standing here within your gates, O Jerusalem. So the pilgrims begin their journey. Their steps are determined and sure. They're joy-filled and they're excited about going. And they're enthusiastic and passionate about being on their way. And rightfully so. For this connection, this desire for connection with God is not about how easy it is to get there, but rather about what they know is waiting on the other end. There are some who will worship God if only he is a God of their convenience. There are some who expect God to cater to their desires and their needs and most certainly never ask for a sacrifice. Suffering is out of the question. Only God's goodness for these can bring them to worship. The thought is God wants me to be happy, and so he will do things according to my tastes and my desire. I made that mistake once upon a time. Not just once, but I'll tell you about this one particular time. Go with me back to when I was a student at Dallas Baptist University. They sent us to Belize, Central America. It's a beautiful country. It was, uh, Belize City is where they sent us to partner with some missionaries and do some, some work there, mission work. And so I'm sent on this spiritual experience, right? And I'm sent there representing the Spirit of God, and I'm sent there with a heart that's supposed to be in tune. Can I just tell you, I got up that Sunday morning, I was not feeling it. Maybe you've had a moment like that too. I was tired. The bed was too small. It was not great food. We were staying in this dank basement. It was a difficult living environment, and I was a bit cranky. Can we just say okay to that? We go to church, and we show up at this church that is prototypical for the churches I've visited in Central America, a cinder block building with no central heater air but crank windows, the kind that have slats on them. You crank the windows open. And when I walked up, I happened to notice there was an open sewer just off to the south where the prevailing wind would blow that very stinky breeze gently right through the auditorium. We got inside, we sat down on 
bleacher-style benches, and my heart sank even further. We don't even have a guitar. Didn't expect a piano, but I was thinking we could at least scare up a guitar somewhere. Gracious, what next, God? You brought me all the way down here for this? I stayed in that broken set of thinking right up until this beautiful Malaysian woman stood up. She walked up to the platform and she stood and opened a hymn book to Victory and Jesus. I will never forget the way she sang that day. As she began to sing with a purity and a beauty that I've never heard, the Lord drove a hammer straight to my heart, convicted me of my self-righteousness, my self-centeredness, my belief that God wanted me more happy than holy. Friends, I made a mistake that day, but I corrected it right then and there. And I said, God, forgive me. Save me from that. I don't want to be that guy. And the rest of that worship service was a whole lot different than the way I walked in. I really did go home different than I had come. My prayer is that you will too. You know, it is true that God wants us to be happy. I think that's accurate. But it's not his highest aim. I think God has a higher aim, something he wants even more than our happiness, something he desires for us, and I believe is the reason that Jesus came in the first place. It's not just that God wants us to be happy. Get this, God wants us to be holy. More than he wants us to be happy, God wants us to be holy. You might say, but I, I, I can't get there, Darren. Sure enough, if you start there. Could it be, though, that the Spirit of God is wooing you and drawing you and saying, come to me, come to me, let me change you, let me knock off the rough things? And then if you're going to do that, then true worship has at least two things that must happen. Here's the first one. True worship is a voluntary surrender of my agenda, where I take my, my ideas of what God should do or what I want him to do, and I lay it down and I step back away from it, God. I'm sorry, that's not what I want. I want you. A voluntary surrender of my agenda. Here's the second one. God, true worship of God demands I look up, not around. I look up, meaning it is focused toward God, not approval of somebody else, or not even my own preferences. Can I tell you today, my friends, true worship links my existence with God's. I am his and he is mine. The center of that is just all that I need. If someone else comes along with that, then great. But if not, then I'm good to go alone. Because worship means that much to me. The psalmist does not stop there. Let's keep going. Verses 3 to 5 says this, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. 
So this Jerusalem that they were headed to, it is a city that is confined by the walls. But let's be clear. True worship, like they're experiencing here, must define every corner of my reality. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2, and here's, how, here's what you'll see. God created us in his image. In his image. Meaning that I bear some elements, I bear some markings that belong to my heavenly Father. One of them, I believe, is the capacity to choose. I can choose to worship God. I can choose not to. But when I worship, let's make sure I'm worshiping the right thing. Here's three things that will tell you for sure that God is your target in worship. One, God is eternal. Oh, man, this is good news. Did you see how he talked about the tribes and the thrones? Those all have an expiration date. Things play out. But not God. As everything around me changes, his eternality stabilizes me. It's something to hold on to. It's something I can anchor to, that when everything else is changing, I know that he will not. He sees the end from the beginning and knows how to guide me through that storm. He's going to walk with me through it because in his eternal nature, I can take one more step with him. One more step. One more step. And friends, I want to give you some good news today. You might think, well, Darren, I know where God wants to take me, but I just can't get there. God is not asking you to take the whole journey today. He's asking you to take one step. From where you are, one step. One step. That's all he asks is one step. And maybe, maybe your legs aren't as long as mine, so maybe you can't take a step more than that. Or maybe it's more like this. Or maybe one that you can't even see. God is only asking you to come to him. And why? Because he is eternal. Here's the second thing you can know about God. God chose me and cares for me. Ephesians 1 is one of my very favorite passages anywhere in the Bible. If you don't know that passage, I invite you to take your Bible and turn over there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. In that section, the Apostle Paul tells me about me. Let's say that you came to me and you said, Darren, I think I want to I be in ministry. I want to I do something for the Lord that way. Where do I start? That's where you start. Because let's make sure we know who we are and how God has made it so in order that we might worship him and find the fullness that he meant for us to have in the first place. Because as long as I believe God only wants me happy, I'll miss out on a lot of things. But if I believe God wants to make me holy and happy, then I'm willing to look here and say God chose me and cares for me even when it hurts. Speaking of when it hurts, God has provided a way for me. God has provided a way for me. Doesn't mean the path is easy. 
but it certainly means that because of his great passion for me, I can be certain he'll meet my needs. He will do this because he's promised to. Well, where, Darren? Where does the Bible say that? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. This is the promise of the Lord. Anchor yourself there and know that he, he invites you into every corner of his reality so that you can allow him the same. I know this much for sure after, after pastoring these many years. No matter how frequent you are in attending church on Sunday morning, I can't do in an hour what you can do all week long. What I want for you is to build some of these healthy patterns into your life and take them home with you. If you've never had a personal quiet time where you meet with God on a weekday and you engage with God and you worship him from your home, then try it just one day. If that's something that you've done but you haven't made it a habit, then do yourself a favor. Say, God, I want to do it for three days a week. Start there. If you're doing it three days a week, then expand it to five and trust that God will give you the time to do it. If you're doing it five, then color over every day and say, Lord, I want to encage you every day of the week. I want you in every corner of my reality. You are not a hobby, God. You are the master and Lord of the universe, and I want you. Because true worship must define every corner of my reality. Let's move on. We're going to run out of time. True worship will both satisfy and create hunger. Verses 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the psalmist says. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You know, when we see this word pray at the beginning of verse 6, some of us think of it as a very passive word. It's something that we do in stillness, and, and rightfully so in some respects. But I want to tell you today, friends, if that's the only kind of prayer that we do, it's going to be a really boring walk. Could it be there's another way to pray? Yes, yes, there is. It's one that engages me. It's one that says, God, I want to know you and know you more. It's not just something that I do while I kneel with my hands folded and my eyes closed. It's something that I do that compels me like a starving person needing nourishment into the presence of God over and over and over. So if it's this valuable, if it's this awesome, if it's this powerful, if it's this fulfilling, it's this satisfying, then why do so many people miss it? i give you three reasons. One, hurry. doesn't happen fast, many will miss it in their hurry to find a quick emotional fix. Lord gave me a reminder of that this morning. You know, I come to church early, getting ready, praying for you and for our time together and, and for the work of the Spirit to be in our place. I was driving here this morning from our home 
and every blasted red light was red. You ever had one of those trips? Every one. And then I thought about it as I bemoaned my fate of waiting this light. Oh, and I realized that it had cost me a whopping two minutes extra in my transit. Two minutes. I'm in such a hurry that two minutes is something worth getting upset about. Can I tell you, many of us treat God the same way. We've got 70 minutes, God. Get everything you need to get done in that time. Or if we're really spiritual, we'll give you 120 or maybe even 180 minutes. But if you can't get it done by then, God, we're just going to have to pass on by. Worship sometimes takes time. Here's another reason. Ignorance. You can't miss what you never had. For a lot of people, they've never tasted true worship, and so they don't know to miss it. They've always been in a hurry. They've always rushed right past God, or they've said God doesn't really want to be interested in my life. Can I tell you today, friends, if you engage the Spirit of God in worship, I promise you'll find him enough. Here's the third reason many of us miss proper worship. And this is the most obvious one. The sin. Satan will constantly present alternatives to worship or other things to worship. So what then do I do? Well, in closing, I want to give you just three more things and we'll be done. How can I find true worship and honor and connect with God? One, by allowing worship to take time. Don't put God on the clock. Don't tell him, this is how long you have, God. Let your heart instead be drawn to a commitment to stay in God's presence even if there's no feeling to it. Sometimes we're in such a rush to feel something that we miss out on it by allowing worship to take time, then I'm giving God the space. Here's the second thing. By seeking true worship through humility. Worship like this is God-based, not preference-based. It's focused on honoring God, not exalting a leader. It's focused on leading us to God, not back to ourselves. If your God looks like you and thinks like you and hates the same things you do, then it's probably not God you're worshiping. My encouragement is to be like that woman at the well in John chapter 4. When the Lord gave her a chance to start over, she took it. But she had to be humble first. And that's when true worship really started. This last one, it's the one no one wants to pray. It's the one no one wants to walk through, but it is the best way I've found to find true worship by seeking brokenness. Brokenness, Darren, that sounds painful, sounds harsh, sounds difficult. 
Many times it is. Many times in that brokenness, I find something about myself that I didn't want to find. I find something about myself that bothers me. Or worse yet, I find something about God and what he wants for me that I wouldn't have found otherwise. Can I tell you today, it's at these moments that I realize the price that I pay to be a human. Sometimes that kind of brokenness is the only way God can get my attention. Worship reminds me that brokenness is a necessary part of it. And now we're down to decision time. What will you do with this? You've heard about true worship. Are you engaged in it? And if you're not, are you willing to take the necessary steps to get there? My prayer is that the answer to that last question is yes. Where does it start? It starts within you by inviting Jesus to be the Lord and master of your life. Just like our friend Jackson did some time ago. He just told you about it with his baptism. It's a great way to begin your walk. Inviting Christ into your life, it means surrendering to him. It means recognizing he wants more for you than just happiness. He wants your holiness. You can do that today simply by coming down here and talking with me and getting that conversation started. Maybe you need, like Jackson, to be baptized. Come down and let's talk about that. Perhaps you need a church home. We'd be glad to talk with you about that. Maybe you need to come to this altar. These steps are open for you to use as an altar. We encourage you to do so. Today is the day for worship. What will you do with it? Let's pray together. Gracious Jesus, thank you for loving us, for making us yours, and for the opportunity to worship. Forgive us for the times we rush past you, Jesus, in a hurry because we've got something else in mind or something else we want to do, something that seems more attractive, more interesting. I pray today, Father, for an awakening in each of our souls and that worship would cease to be something we do and begin to be something we are. We're going to sing a song, Lord, and it's one that I hope we can mean. It's not something that's easy to do, surrender, but it is something that we long to do. It's something we'll have to do over and over again, Jesus. We're selfish people. So help us to surrender now and then again tomorrow and then again the following day. Would you do your work now, Lord, in the lives of those who need to make decisions? Let today be the day. So do your work now here in us, among us, through us, we're grateful, Lord, for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's your chance to respond. You got something on your mind? Come down and let's talk about it. Stand and sing and as you come forward. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live I surrender all I 
Friends, thanks for being with us today. What a blessing it's been to have you in the house of the Lord and to be together with you. Thank you. If you are a first-time guest, I'd sure like the chance to say howdy. Meet me right out here. Make sure if you're a first-time guest to grab one of our gift bags. They're the little yellow ones on the table out there. We want to invite all of you that are Upwards families down to the other end of the building for our Upwards luncheon. It's waiting for you on that end. I also want to remind you we will not have evening services tonight. Uh, we will dismiss them in favor of our Super Bowl fellowships. There are several of them going. Reminder, this weekend, this coming weekend, is the one when we'll vote on our friend Jeff Wash to be our, our music pastor. There will be a question-answer time on Saturday at 3 o'clock. I hope you'll join us for that. Let us conclude with a benediction. And now, Lord Jesus, send us out with the joy that comes from being yours. Send us to those, Lord, who desperately need to know that hope, that joy, I pray, Father God, your wisdom to guide us, and I pray, Father, that your love would sustain us. Thank you, Lord, that you have put us together to walk this road. We're grateful for you, and Father God, we surrender ourselves to your holiness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.